Well, good morning, church family. So good to see you. Would you just uh, welcome with me those that are watching at Evangel Woodbridge? They're tuned in right now, joining us live. Come on, let's give it up for them. Welcome, Evangel Woodbridge. We're so glad that you're with us today. We're glad that you're a part of our services. And all those that are watching that are a part of our Church Online family, let's give it up for them. Welcome, Church Online. We're so glad that you're here as well and that you're tuning in with us. Pray that God would speak to you and encourage you. And uh, all those that are here in person, some of our guests that are here in Scotch Plains, uh, we're so glad that you're here as well. And I just pray that you feel at home and welcome. My name is Pastor Chris. And uh, if you've been here for the last two Sundays, you may not have seen me because my wife and I were actually away for the last week or so, and we were celebrating 12 years of marriage together. So we've gotten to 12 years, and we've had a good time. Thank you again for saying yes, Mandy, and for uh, marrying me. I'm very lucky. Um, we're thankful. We are thankful that we could have that special time away, uh, just the two of us. Thank you for uh, praying for us and thinking of us. And uh, I want to just give a special thank you to Pastor Leslie, who brought an incredible message on July 11th, two weeks ago. Come on, can we celebrate that? Thank you, Pastor Les, for just leaning into God's word, helping us to understand significance over success. And then Pastor Bobby, if you'll just give it up, he brought a great word last week about connection over confinement. Um, Every week we're saying this over that because we're in a series of messages entitled Over It. Come on, would you say over it? And guess what? After this Sunday, we'll be over it. We'll be over this series as well because it's going to be over. This is the last message of our Over It series. But before we get into God's Word in this final installment today, I wanted to give you a little preview about where we're going starting next Sunday. We're kicking off a brand new series of messages and I'm excited because we're going to actually be reading through a portion of Scripture together and studying a portion of the Old Testament that oftentimes people overlook. And maybe you've overlooked it as well. It's called the Minor Prophets. Will you say Minor Prophets? The Minor Prophets. There are 12 of them, 12 books in the Old Testament. They're really short. If you're just skimming through the Bible, you'll miss some of them. Because um, some of them are just a chapter, a few chapters in length. But I don't want the size to deceive you because God speaks some very major things through the minor prophets. And so we're going to study over the month of August the message of the minor prophets. And we're going to go through each one and read through that together. We're going to have a Bible reading plan if you'd like to spend time each day reading God's word with us. Um, it's so valuable for you to spend time in God's Word. Uh, but we're going to be preaching uh, messages all throughout the month of August on that, on Sundays and on Wednesday nights, and you don't want to miss it. The title of this series is actually the big question. There's one major question asked throughout the Minor Prophets. This one question that maybe you've seen show up in time or again. In fact, some of you that like to watch television or watch your favorite streaming service, you might see this question show up on a screen every now and again. And that's the title of this series. Let me show it to you on the screen. Come on, would you say that with me? Are you still watching? Come on, how many? Show of hands. How many of you have seen this show up on a screen at some point where whatever you're watching, it pauses and it says, are you still watching? Because you haven't clicked anything and you haven't paused or turned ahead. I know this happens for my kids sometimes when they're watching their favorite show. And then they'll say, Mommy, Daddy, it stopped. And I'll say, what do you mean it stopped? Oh, are you still watching? Yes, we're still watching. That's the big question of the Minor Prophets. It's a question that often, because of what was happening in that day and age in God's Word, there was a lot of challenges, a lot of turmoil, a lot of tension in the world around them. 
And there were times that the people and even the prophets would lift their voice to heaven and they would say, God, are you still watching? Are you seeing what's happening here? Are, I mean, are, are you still tuned in to what's going on in the world around us or have you forgotten us? And God has to remind them, I'm still watching. And there are other times that God speaks from heaven through the prophets and he says, hey, listen to me, people. Are you still watching? Are you still looking to me because I'm about to move? Are you still keeping your eyes on me because I'm about to do something? Don't get your eyes sidetracked. Don't get distracted. Keep watching. Keep looking to me. So that is the title of the series. Amen? Are you still watching? We're going to look at it from every angle, dive deep into God's word, and you will get the most of it is if you join us for the whole month, if you lean in and read the scriptures with us, come out next Sunday, tune in, we'll give you the reading plan, and we'll just jump in headfirst to an exciting series of messages. All right, are we good? All right, let's, how many of you are ready to get into God's word this morning? All right. Yeah, you'll see when we get there how excited you are uh, at the end. Um, I'm excited to get into God's Word, but can I be honest with you, as I've looked at this message and I've spent this week studying it, my heart has been convicted by it. Um, you know, as we come to this last installment, I really feel this last choice, this last message is something God really wants to speak into our hearts. I believe that this is very timely a, a word in season, meaning it's a word that's very relevant for the day that we're living in. It was very relevant for me. I've been personally challenged and convicted by it. But how many of you know that's a good thing? Uh, we don't want to come to church and leave and just feel comfortable as if nothing happened. I want to come and hear from God's word and say, God, if there's something in me that needs to be fine-tuned, would you help me with that? How about anyone else? So come on, let's ask the Lord to help us to speak to us uh, today. And to do that, we're going to look at the life of another prophet, not one of the minor prophets, but what the Bible would call one of the major prophets. It wasn't because they're more important. When you talk major prophet or minor prophet, it's just really the size of the book in the Old Testament. And uh, one of the major prophets is the prophet Jeremiah. So if you'll turn to Jeremiah with me, our last message in our Over It series is going to come from the book of Jeremiah and his life in his example. And as we're turning there, let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you that you're with us. I thank you that you want to speak to us today. Lord, I, I thank you for this word, for what it represents to the hour that we're living in. And Lord, I know I'm not the only one. Lord, I know the last time that we had our service together, Lord, uh, many uh, felt the, the weight of the words that you wanted to speak into our lives, Lord God. They challenged us, and they set us on the right course. I pray you'll do that again for my friends that are here listening to this word. Oh, Lord, would you speak something into our midst today that as we lean in, Lord God, the choice that we make as it pertains to this truth will elevate our lives. Your word is clear, Jesus. You are over it. You are high and lifted up. And Lord, we ask that you would give us minds and eyes to see from your perspective, not from just this world's perspective. So Lord, we just surrender all that we are to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So as we are turning to Jeremiah, it's found in the Old Testament. It's one of the main prophets. And a prophet is someone that God used for a special assignment. We often see them in the Old Testament, but we also see them in the New Testament uh, as well. But God used different prophets at different times to speak the heart of God to people. So it was like a special assignment. 
where God would raise up a man or someone and he would give them this ability to speak for him, for them to be a mouthpiece, for them to represent God's heart, for them to speak out at a pivotal time where maybe there were challenges and people were turning in all different directions. And often God would raise up these prophets, these people that would be used by him at times where things were very chaotic, where things were not going as they should. And unfortunately, um, in the Old Testament, we see a lot of those experiences, that there were times where the hearts of humanity had become so bent in all the wrong directions, where they were doing things that were really contrary to God's heart, where they were doing things that were heartbreaking and brokenness was rampant. And in Jeremiah's day, there were a lot of things that were heartbreaking taking place. The vulnerable, the widows and children and orphans were being taken advantage of in terrible ways. Young children, um, things were happening where they were losing their lives. Um, we also saw the people of God. They had turned away from God and they had turned to all kinds of other gods and were worshiping them. In fact, they were carving out of wood and out of different stone different idols, and they would just set them down, and they would just begin to worship and say, you know what, this will help me. This will help my family. I can just find my hope and my security here, and if I, if I bow down and worship this thing I made, maybe then I'll be prosperous. So people were turning to all kinds of other places in desperation, and when you step back and you just looked at it as a whole, it was so overwhelming to take in. And so God's answer was that God wanted to send messages to these people to say, come back to my heart. And God's chosen instrument would be a prophet in that day named Jeremiah. So God gave him this incredible calling. He said, I want you to speak on my behalf to these people that are very far from me. And Jeremiah accepted that calling, but it didn't go very well, as you could imagine. For a people that were all bent on all kinds of wrongdoing and other things, they didn't take too kindly to a messenger from God coming to try to turn their hearts back to God. And when that happened, it left Jeremiah very hindered by it. Because I want you to know, as I describe the state of the world in Jeremiah's day, it kind of sounds familiar to me. I think we see a lot of parallels in the world that we're living in today. I think there's been a lot of changes and shifts in culture and society. I think there's been a lot of tension that has been rising. I think the state of the world throughout this pandemic has been one where there has been an intensifying. And there's been a lot of people going in different directions. Am I the only one that feels that? And in the midst of all that tension and all that brokenness, in Jeremiah's day, when he saw the landscape of the world around him, it utterly overwhelmed him. It overwhelmed him to the point where all the brokenness in the world began to get inside of him. And it made him bitter. It made him frustrated. It made him angry. It made him depressed. I don't know about you. Has the state of the world maybe affected you in some way or another? Maybe has the state of the world left an impact or a mark on you? For some of you say, you know what? 18 months ago, I was kind of a different person. And now I'm more irritable. Now I'm more frustrated. Now I'm more violent. Now I'm more angry. Now I'm more bitter. Now I'm more disillusioned. I'm just talking real with someone. Come on, are you here? Um, this, is, this is Jeremiah. The world around him, it impacted him. He was called by God to impact the world, and the world was impacting him. And before long, he was kind of a, a, a bitter shell of who he was before. And he was so frustrated and so disillusioned that we get to this point in Scripture where Jeremiah is speaking to God in Jeremiah 15. Let's take a look at this just short two verses it comes at a, at, at, a, at a critical moment because all of this frustration had welled up inside of Jeremiah. 
all of this brokenness to the point where he begins to cry out to God. And I want you to know, there's no better place to go when you're frustrated, when you're angry, when you're, you don't just come to God and just say all the good things. God wants to hear your heart. He wants you to pour your heart out to him. Amen? But sometimes if our heart is bitter and frustrated, um, when we're doing that, we have to be mindful and be careful. Because here's what happened. Instead of Jeremiah just bringing all his frustration to the, to the Lord, he started to project all his frustration on God. And he started to point at God. And after he starts talking about this, like, God, I, I, I took your word, and I, and I believed you, and I, and I followed you, and I gave my life for you, and now where have you put me, and what have you done to me, God? And he gets to this point in verse 18, and he says, why has my pain been perpetual? In my wound, incurable, refusing to be healed. And then he asks God this question. Will you indeed be to me like a deceptive stream with water that is unreliable? He says, God, have you, become, have you deceived me? Are you like a stream that has really no water and is so unreliable? I mean, these are things that come at the very character of who God is. And this is Jeremiah, the man who's supposed to be representing God to the people, speaking these words out to God. Do you see a problem here? In all of his frustration, all his bitterness, he just turns all that towards the Lord. He speaks to him. He, he cries out. I don't know about you, but I've said something I've regretted before. Has anyone ever said something that you've regretted? Come on, can I see a show of hands? Maybe you'll be more honest in Woodbridge. Go ahead, you lift your hands. Watching online, just let us know if that's you. I've said things. And often those things are uttered, not when everything's calm and fine, but when there's intense situations, right? Whenever things are getting frustrated, when I feel the heat, whenever the adversity is there, whenever there's a lot of tension in the atmosphere, whenever there's a strain, those can be where things are said and things are done that are, that, that are contrary to God's heart and what I really want to represent. You know, I have a lot of examples of that in my life, and we see an example here where Jeremiah begins to utter things that are not right in God's sight or in anyone else's. Now, I've learned something. I've, been, I've worked with couples for years now. We've been able to counsel and do premarital counseling. Um, and when I work with couples, there's normally two areas. I, I think we dedicate at least one or two children today from some couples that I've had a chance to walk with. But there's two things when I'm doing premarital or marriage counseling that I always have to spend time on because I think they're going to do the most for your relationship. The two areas are this, communication and conflict resolution. Are you with me? Communication and conflict resolution. Um, and I often will give a resource or a tool to couples, and it's something that I've received myself that will be so helpful in aiding for you to not say some things that you'd regret or get into conversations or arguments that could be avoided. Do you know that there are some arguments and things that don't have to be said and don't need to be said if you take the right steps? And, uh, and so I, I gave this tool to couples, and I want to give it to you today because it's, it's, I think it's really important to what we're talking about. Mandy and I remember we got this when we were in our own premarital counseling before we got married years ago. And here's what it is. The counselor sat across from us, and he said, this is going to save you a lot of heartache, a lot of regret. Halt. H-A-L-T. Come on, say it with me. Halt. Halt. I said, what is halt? He said, halt means this. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. If you're feeling any of those things and you're feeling like you're getting into a discussion that could go in the wrong direction, just stop. If you're hungry, go get something to eat. 
If you're, la- if you're angry, go cool down. If you're lonely, go just, just, just take care of that. If you're tired, take a nap, do something. But if you are hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, that is probably not going to go very well. Come on, is that just saving someone's marriage right now? Is that like a revelation to someone? Because you know what? Being hangry is a real thing. Are you with me? Come on, feeling tired and then just feeling what, and what can happen is all of that can impact us and stuff can come out of us that isn't pretty. You know, I see this even in, in Scripture show up, this idea of halts. Uh, there was a prophet, another prophet named Elijah, same way that Jeremiah was a prophet, Elijah was a prophet in Kings. You can read about his stories. And there was a moment he was so depressed and so low that he didn't know if he wanted his life to continue. And he's there in this low place. And you know what God gives him? God gives him a nap, and he sends some ravens to feed him. He says, you know what? You're hangry. You're tired. You're, you're in this low place. He feeds him, and that's part of what he needs to revive him and get him back. Here's what I want you to know. God knows exactly what you need when you're in a low place. God knows exactly what we need when we're in a difficult place, when our hearts are conflicted, troubled, and frustrated. He knows what we need, and sometimes we need to just halt and step back and say, God, can you give me what I need in this moment? I know I gave you hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Those are just four things. But God knows what's impacting our hearts. And if I could be candid with you, as I was praying and reading in God's word in this season um, and in this week in particular and came to this message, here's what I felt the Lord said to me. My people have allowed all of the brokenness that's happening in the world around us in this season to seep into their hearts, and it's affecting them from the inside now. It's affecting their relationship with me. It's affecting the way they talk. It's affecting the way that they act. It's affecting so many areas of their life, and there needs to be a transformation. Are you with me today? So this is what we're going to lean into God's word today. Jeremiah comes to God, and he just lets it all out. But then he pauses, and God wants to speak to him. And can I tell you today, what God says to him is what the Spirit of God wants to say to us this morning. This is what the Lord wants to speak to us. This is what the Lord's been speaking to me. Verse 19, the God who knows what we need wants to say this to us. Therefore, thus says the Lord, if you return, then I will restore you. Before me, you will stand. If you extract the precious from the worthless, you will become my spokesman. They, for their part, may turn to you, but as for you, you must not turn to them. It's a powerful word, amen? I can feel the Holy Spirit as we're saying it right now, speaking into our hearts. Look at this word from the Lord, but if you could imagine Jeremiah receiving this, in a day of godlessness and brokenness all around, if I return to you, God, look at the people around me. If I return, I mean, I could imagine him just being confused, but God, here's what God was saying. Jeremiah, you become so bitter about the problem that you've now become a part of the problem. Here's what I want you to know. When the problem is around you so much and starts to get within you and the frustration within you and anger turns to bitterness, rage, and all kinds of other things, here's what happens. When the problem gets you bitter, you become a part of the problem. God doesn't want us to be a part of the problem. God wants us to make a difference in this world. Amen? And so this is what can happen. And I want to tell you, if it happened then, it can happen now. Where it just takes a toll on us. But God says there's good news. Come on, somebody. There's good news. God gives an invitation. He says, if you return, 
I will restore. If you return, I will restore. And I'm going to use you again. And I want to speak through your life to make a difference. I want to do something in you and through you if you return. If you turn, what does return mean? It's this idea of repenting. It means you got to turn your heart around. you got to get your heart before me again. And if you do, I'm going to use you for great things. This is what God says to Jeremiah. But there's something, there's a choice that has to be made. There's this one if, then. <laughs> this if and then statement. If you do something, and this is the final over it choice, the final choice that we have to make, one that I think we're missing so often. And here's what the Lord says. If you extract the precious from the worthless, then I will put my words in your mouth. Then you will speak for me. Then everything will change. If you extract the precious from the worthless, I believe this is a choice that God wants to give us revelation into today, that it's time for there to be a separation. It's time for us to separate the precious from the worthless, that we would only cling to one and not the other. And he says, this is what I want you to do. And this right here, when we look at this language, this is powerful language, it harkens back to metal workers, to those that work with precious metals and ores and that would ultimately create them and fashion them to become something beautiful and full of incredible value, something that would shine brightly. Now, for that to take place, you know, there's a, there's a process. Come on, somebody say there's a process. It's the refining process. It's the refining fire, the refiner's fire that can ultimately bring something worthless and bring something precious out of it. So for them to do that, they have to light a fire that's very intense. They then have to melt down all of that ore or all of that metal, that precious metal. But that metal isn't fully precious yet. It has some parts that are precious and some parts that are worthless. And the hotter that they get it, what happens is all that which is worthless rises to the surface and the, the refiner is able to skim it off the top. He's able to just take it off the top. Did you hear that? That as it's melted down, the precious gets extracted from the worthless. The worthless floats to the top and the refiner can just skim it away. This is what the Lord wants to do in, 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 in Jeremiah's life. This is what he wants to do in the life of every follower of his. He wants you to extract the precious from the worthless. And you know what requ is required for that to take place? Heat. Intensity. Challenge. Here's what I believe. If God's going to allow us to go through any season of difficulty, if God has not taken us to heaven through this season of COVID and challenge and unrest and crisis, here's what I know for sure. He did not allow us to go through this season to make us bitter, but only to make us better because he wants to refine us. And he can use a season like the one we've been through to actually skim away the impurities and to allow us to separate the precious from the worthless that when we come through it, we are actually better, not bitter. This is what God wants to do. Amen? This is the will of God in, in Jesus for us. But we have to learn how to extract the precious from the worthless. It is an intense process when it comes to metal. And I believe that as God puts it before us, it's a challenging process. What I'm telling you today aren't just simple things, but I believe if you'll take it to heart, God is going to transform your life. Because I believe there's some things that are right in front of you that God says it's time to separate, it's time to extract, it's time for you to cling to what's precious again and to let what's worthless fall away, be skimmed away.
So I'm going to give you three things in the few minutes that we have together that I believe will really help us and set us on course when it comes to extracting the precious and holding it over the worthless. The first thing is in words. Somebody say words. In our words. God's word says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. Do we know that? We can build up and we can tear down with our words. God had called Jeremiah and said, I want to put my words in your mouth. When you get down to actually looking at the original language of what God is saying to Jeremiah when he's correcting him in verse 19, he said, if you extract the precious from the worthless, a key part of that, some of your translations will literally say, if you speak precious words instead of worthless words, then I will use you. That he's telling him, listen, everything you're saying to me right now isn't precious. There's a lot of worthless things that are coming out of your mouth now because a lot of things have gotten into your heart. He said, if you extract the precious from the worthless. So the first area that we have to apply this to our lives in is in our words. Here's what I want you to know, that what comes out of our mouth is what our heart is often full of. And if what's coming out of our mouth isn't pleasing to us, isn't pleasing to God, then there's something God wants to do to help there to be a separation. Because I want to choose. If you're going to choose, every time this is the best choice you could make. Choose God's word, the word of God, over the words of man. Choose God's word, the word of God, over the words of man. And this right here in this season, I think, is what gets really challenging. For the prophet Jeremiah, God said, you will stand before me. You'll stand before me, and I'm going to speak through you. So this was the idea. This is the Lord back here. The Lord says, Jeremiah, you'll stand before me, and I'll, and, and, you'll stand before me. I'll give you my words. You'll speak. So Jeremiah then turns to the people, and he begins to speak the word to the people. Here's the problem. The people spoke back, just like they will. The problem wasn't that they spoke back. The problem was this. Jeremiah started to receive their words. And their words then began to deflate him. Their words began to inform him. Their words began to speak into him. And before long, he's taking everything from their words, and that's why he's getting so defeated and so depleted. I want to tell you, it's easy in the day and age that we're living in today Everyone has an opinion about everything. Everyone has words to spill about anything and everything going on. And I want to tell you, if you spend your time consuming and clinging to the words of man, it will affect your heart. It will change you. And you will become a different kind of person. And I'm telling you, it will lift you up. It will depress you and deplete you and defeat you. And it will compromise you. And God says, if you return and allow me to extract the precious from the worthless. It isn't that anyone's, everything that anyone has to say isn't valuable, isn't precious. It can be, but there has to be a filtering that takes place. And you want to know what the filter is? The word of God. God's word has a purifying effect. God's word has a standard of truth attached to it. That as we might hear and process and receive all the things in this world, I want to go back to one standard in my life and say, you know what, I heard all of that, but God, I want to hear your word and what you have to say. And I want my heart to be at rest, not in what is going on in this world and what the world's saying about the world. I want to know what you have to say. And when you can get into a place where every day, as often as you can, you find yourself turning away from the words of the world and man and just getting before God and saying, God, speak into my heart and my life. Do you want to know what happens when that happens? God's word brings life to you. God's word lifts you up. 
God's word builds you up. Here's what it says in Psalm 12, 6. The words of the Lord are flawless. They're like silver purified in a crucible. They're like gold that's been refined seven times over. They are pure and life-giving and valuable. That's God's word. And guess what? He gives it to us freely that we could receive and consume and have it. Here's the other problem when it comes to words, that the words we receive are often the words that flow through us. The words that flow to us and what we consume often start to come out of us and we start regurgitating them. And I want to tell you, for my daughter, she's been going to a, to a, day, a, a, you know, a camp during this uh, summer. And every day she's coming home. And you want to know what's coming out of her mouth? Verses of scripture that she's memorizing as a part of her school. And you want to know what? Nothing touches the heart of her parents like her quoting these beautiful verses. And I'm like, Lily, that's amazing. That's awesome. That's amazing. She's like, I've redeemed you. I've called you by name. And we're like, yes, amen. I mean, her mom's crying sometimes because she's quoting verses that mean a lot to Mandy. That's beautiful. But can I tell you, there are other times in all of our lives, we're going to see it, we've seen it, others will see it, the words that come out of our mouths don't cause those kind of tears, they cause other tears. They break our hearts and they break others' hearts. There are a lot of examples and too many of them now where what's flowing out of us is the byproduct of what's been flowing into us all week long. The stuff we've been consuming, the ideas, the opinions, the thoughts, the commentary, the whatever. And as we take it in and as we synthesize it, it flows through our heart. And what comes out of us isn't that. It's something different. Something less than. We've got to extract the precious from the worthless. Here's what Psalm 19 verse 14 says. May the words of my mouth, come on, some of you know this one by heart. And the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. How many of you know that verse? Let me see a show of hands. How many of you have prayed that verse recently? I was convicted working on this message. Lord, I need to pray this verse more. I need to pray this before I step into challenging situations. I need to pray this verse before I have that awkward conversation. Lord, I need to pray this verse before I even open my phone. I had an idea with some of our pastors. I said, man, we gotta, we got to make a screensaver backdrop that before you unlock your phone, you know, that unlock screen, maybe that verse is just there. Lord, may the words of my mouth and on my fingers as I text be pleasing to you. Come on, somebody. That, w- that, w- that, might, that might save somebody today to know and be reminded daily that, Lord, I want what flows from my heart and from my mouth, from what I text, what I send, what I post on social media. Come on, somebody. May it be pleasing to you, Lord. I want it to be pleasing to you, my rock, my redeemer. That's why I'm so thankful over the next month we're going to spend time walking through God's word through the Minor Prophets together. I hope you'll join us and spend time. And if you don't currently do this, download the Bible app in your phone. Get a Bible near you. Read God's word every day. It will be life-giving to you. And your words can be transformed. Amen? There can be precious words instead of worthless words in your life. The second area, we talked about words. The second area is wisdom. Would you say wisdom? Wisdom is all about the plan. The plan, the path that we would walk in with our lives. You know, when it comes to wisdom, it often is around decision making. Making the right decisions when we don't know what to do. You know, if it's the decision between walking off a cliff or going down a road that seems safe, we know the decision. It's kind of a no-brainer, common sense. That's not wisdom. Wisdom is when both paths look good, when both paths look difficult, 
how to walk in the right way when I don't know which way is right. That's where wisdom shows up. That's where wisdom guides us. But I want to tell you that at the same time that there's wisdom available to us, that's what's precious. God's word is clear. Wisdom is precious. If you study those two words together, they show up multiple times in God's word. Precious wisdom. But you want to know what's worthless? That there's something that counterfeits his wisdom. And it's something that many of us will cling to. And we will walk with and we will carry out. And you want to know what it is? It's the way that the world is going. It's what I would call the way of this world. And I want to tell you, there are going to be times where everyone is going in one direction. Everyone is thinking in one direction. Everyone is just moving. I'm not saying that every time that's wrong, but I'm telling you there are enough times that if we call it wisdom when we just want to go along with the world to get along, I'm telling you there are times when wisdom's going to go this way and the world's going to go that way. And what God is setting a path towards is going to go contrary against the grain, against the current, and it's going to be so easy to want to just get carried away with the way everyone else is thinking, talking, acting, and walking. And if you choose to walk in that way, my friends, we're not walking in the way of wisdom. We're choosing something else. Do you want to know why Jeremiah was called to be a prophet? Because the world had decided to go this way, and it was against the heart of God. But if you were to ask them, they would have thought it was right. It was what everyone else thought. They had a bunch of people speaking and saying it was a great idea. But what God says is, no, it's wrong. My heart's over here. You're missing it. There's a way. Here's what it says in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. Do we believe that verse to be true? And so I want you to know going along just to get along isn't always the right way to walk. We have to be a people that choose to say this. God, what's precious is walking in wisdom. Walking in your path that you have set before your people. And here's what God promises. He's made multiple promises in his word to anyone that would follow him. One of them is found in Proverbs 4, 10 through 12. He says, listen, my son. Accept what I say. And the years of your life will be many. I instruct you in the way of wisdom. And I lead you along straight paths. And when you walk, your steps will not be hampered. And when you run, you will not stumble. All these children that we were able to dedicate here in Scotch Plains this morning, beautiful. What we want and what I pray for every child is that they would walk in the way of wisdom, in the way of God's wisdom, in his light, in his guidance, that they would never stumble, that they would never fall, that they would be able to walk in a way that would please God. My prayer for every one of you listening to this message today here in Woodbridge online is that you would walk in a way that pleases the Lord, that you'd walk in his way of wisdom. He will make your path straight. So how do I do that, pastor? One of them is around the very last point we talked about, clinging to God's word. He says, I will instruct you in the way of wisdom. So if we spend time in God's presence, reading from God's word, in prayer, seeking God, looking to be close to him. You know what will happen? He will lead and guide our lives forever. And he will be with us. He promises never to leave us or forsake us. So the number one thing you could do is make it your life subjective to follow the Lord and you're going to walk in the way of wisdom. Second is choose your crowd. Come on, say that with me. Choose your crowd. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. 
Show me the crowd, the people that have surrounded you, the people that are influencing you the most. And they're either going to take you towards God or away from him. They're either going to take you in the way, one way or another. And we have to be a people that say, God, I want to choose the way of wisdom over just the way of this world, the way everyone else will walk. I want to walk in a way that pleases you. I want to move in the path that pleases you. Because I want you to know there are times when Everyone can be moving and everyone can have a plan and the plan may seem to be going right and great, but then a pandemic hits and no one has a plan anymore and everything seems to be going sideways. You know, we love our plans, don't we? But there's a famous uh, theologian and, and, and scholar named Mike Tyson who said everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Um, and that's the truth, isn't it? Uh, that we could all have a plan until we get a left hook and then our plan falls apart. And we're dazed and confused and we're not sure where we're going. Is anyone else with me? Now, you look him up. Mike Tyson wasn't actually a scholar. He was a very famous boxer. But uh, I think we get the point. My first time uh, that I get a Mike Tyson quote uh, in, my, um, in my message. But, uh, but it's a good one. Because we can all have a plan. But COVID was a left hook, wasn't it? But that job loss, that divorce, those things, they just, they just send us spinning. And the world's already broken, and we just feel like we're sinking. And we don't know where to go and what to do. And I want you to know, God has a way, the way of wisdom. In fact, Jesus said, it's me. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Get to Jesus, and you'll get to wisdom. Get to Jesus. Cling to him. Follow him, and he'll lead and guide you forever. Well, I want to invite the worship team to come up at this time. And I want to give you the third element of this message. We talked about precious being extracted from the worthless in our words, in our wisdom. But the final area is in our worth. In our worth. We need to be a people that understand where our worth comes from. So much of this world is allowing their worth to be defined by all the wrong things. We have a self-worth epidemic happening, a crisis where people's values are being determined by all the wrong things, and so therefore people feel like their own self-image, their own self-worth, it rises and falls on people. We have whole platforms called social media. It's the new way that people understand how valuable they are in many places, many generations, and many age groups. Some of you and some of your children, their opinion of themselves is ultimately determined by how many people like their posts and how they look compared to someone else on Instagram and how many likes or follows or subscriptions they, they got connected to. Their worth is being defined by what? What everyone else has to say about them. Their worth is being defined by what everyone else thinks about them. Your worth, some of you that are listening to me today, your worth is being defined by whether or not they think you're good enough for that job or they aren't. Your worth is being defined by, well, if he walked out on me, then that means that I mustn't really be this. Some of your worth is being defined by the struggle you can't overcome. Man, I'm nothing because if I was something, I, could be, I should be better than I am right now. Man, our worth is, is often being defined by so many of the wrong things. And this is a brokenness within the heart of man that we begin to cling to the wrong things and try to find our worth in them. This was at the heart of what Jeremiah had to come and speak to God's people about. This was what was heavy on the heart of God, is that they've abandoned God. They've lost him because they've gone on worshiping all these other things. 
Some of you think that we don't have uh, that issue today. It's like, thank God we don't make, uh, make all these idols and, you know, carve these images. I want to tell you, our idols are still there. They're just much more sophisticated. Now it's Instagram. Now it's social media platforms. Now, now it's the opinions of people. Now it's a career. Now it's a certain kind of car or house or job. And I want to tell you, we have made it our life's goal to worship in such a way that would get us there. Whatever it means, bow down to this. Spend the extra 30 hours this week working. Do it all. You know what it is? It's all of that devotion, all of that. Why? Because our worth is found in that. When I get that promotion, then I'll really be somebody. When I get that person, I'll really be somebody. Whenever, whenever this happens or I look this way or I feel this way or I do that, then I'll be worth something. Here's what God says in Jeremiah chapter 2. He said, what was the problem? Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 5. He said, this is what the Lord says. What did your ancestors find wrong with me that led them to stray so far from me? What's led to this big chasm and divide? They worshipped worthless idols only to become worthless themselves. I want to tell you something. When you try to get your value from something that is worthless, you begin to feel worthless yourself. Are you with me today? When we reach for the wrong things... Instead of the precious, when we reach for the worthless, when we allow that to define us, our lives start to become worthless in our eyes or feelings. And I want you to know it's a lie from hell. God sees something different in his people. He sees you with a love that maybe you can't even see for yourself. He loves you with a love that's unending. He is the only one that has the ability to determine your worth. And I want you to know when you come to him, when you choose the precious, when you cling to him, he will show you who you are because you'll know whose you are. And when you're his and you know it, it changes everything. It breaks lies. It allows you to be set free from the expectations of others. And it allows your heart and your life to rise, be healed, and be restored. This is the will of Jesus for us. That we would choose what's precious, not what's worthless. Because it's only going to lead to worthless places. So come on, would you stand to your feet with me today? Wherever you find yourself, we're going to pray. We're going to call upon the name of the Lord for just a moment. But I want to give you a chance to respond in this moment. We're going to just go into a song here. And I want to invite you to this altar. I want to invite you to an altar if you're in Woodbridge uh, or if you're in an overflow space. So we just want to have a chance to pray over you. For some of you today, you might be feeling this hitting you where you're like, you know what, I, I, I have some work. The Lord needs to help me. My words, I, I, need, I need direction. I, I, I've been feeling this worth thing going on, and, and I, just, I just want prayer. I just want to come to the Lord, and I want him to take away all that's worthless, and I want him just to allow what's precious to remain. So if that's you and you're willing to take a bold step, come to this altar and let's pray. Just get before the Lord for a few moments and just lift your hands to him. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. But as they sing this song, let this be your heart's cry. Lord, I'm coming back to you. I'm returning to you with my whole heart. Just like Jeremiah returned, Lord, I'm returning and I want to receive everything that you have for me. So come on, they're going to sing out. And as they do, I want you guys just to begin to cry out. <laughs> 